Welcome to the Lock Sportscast, your weekly source for Lock Sport news and sometimes interviews. This is episode 71, recorded October 9th, 2021. I'm your host, Charles Current. In today's episode, Master Lock Bluetooth Padlocks, Amazon wants access to businesses, homes, and apartment buildings, Home Depot's Bluetooth Power Tool Activation, Facebook Locked Out, First Pick of the Multilock 800, Lock Picking Forensics, Jonathan's Made Perfect Raffle Update, Making Custom Picks, Products, Meetups, A Locksmith Customer Story, Criminals, Sales, Giveaways, and more. You can subscribe to an audio version of this show on most podcast apps and at thelocksportscast.com. If you don't already have one, you can find a Podcasting 2.0 compatible app at newpodcastapps.com. You can subscribe to the video version on YouTube or Odyssey. Links to stories discussed will be in the show notes. YouTube and some apps limit the length of show notes and links, but you can always find full show notes with all of the links to all the stories at thelocksportscast.com. This episode is going to be a little bit different. Uh, News was a little light in Locksport this week, but I had a big pileup of articles from the last few months having to do with electronic security devices and electronic locks and stuff. So I thought it would be a good time to get some of those taken care of. First up is a story that was sent in called Master Lock Introduces Most Secure Bluetooth-Enabled Padlock Yet with New Bluetooth Pro Series Padlocks. And the byline on this is not credited to a person, it's credited to PR Newswire. It's a press release. It's basically free advertisement that they send out to papers. And I'll read part of the press release here. It says, A culmination of 100 years of security expertise, Masterlock has expanded its Bluetooth-enabled product family with the introduction of its Pro Series padlocks. The new high-security padlocks come with a variety of shackle options, durable weather cover, and software compatibility, offering businesses enhanced security and cloud-based simplicity for job sites and facilities of all sizes. Masterlock Bluetooth Pro Series padlocks offer new security and functionality options within the Masterlock Vault Enterprise system, providing businesses with the most convenient way to control access, manage assets, and improve accountability, while eliminating the cost, security risk, and complexity of physical key management. By utilizing Masterlock Vault Enterprise, businesses of all sizes can experience seamless integration with the extended family of Masterlock's indoor and outdoor padlocks, lockboxes, and door controller for comprehensive security with no incremental credential fees included. Featuring a numeric 10-digit keypad for improved flexibility, administrators and authorized employees can now gain easy access to locks through manual codes, in addition to access via a mobile app. Pro Series padlocks come equipped with durable weather cover for outdoor use and enhanced weather resistance, as well as three shackle options, standard, long, and shrouded, for enhanced security in a variety of commercial applications. The combination of durable materials and flexible access options make the integrated solution Masterlock's most secure Bluetooth padlock yet. With our Bluetooth Pro Series padlock and Masterlock Vault Enterprise system, Businesses can secure and monitor access to expensive equipment and other critical assets from the convenience of their smartphone or web interface. Audit history via Masterlock Vault Enterprise software also facilitates critical infrastructure regulatory compliance. This saves businesses time and money with no incremental fees to use our cloud-based software 
with integrated system delivers a quick and substantial return on investment. So again, this is just a press release, basically an advertising piece from a PR company working for Masterlock. Take it with a grain of salt, obviously. It is Masterlock, and we know their idea of security. So the question is, did they put any more time and effort into the security of their digital solutions than they did their physical solutions? And this next story was put out by the Associated Press, Joseph Pisani. Amazon's mission, getting a key to your apartment building. And it says, Amazon is tired of ringing doorbells. The online shopping giant is pushing landlords around the country, sometimes with financial incentives, to give its drivers the ability to unlock apartment building doors themselves with a mobile device. The service, launched in 2018, dubbed Key for Business, is pitched as a way to cut down on stolen packages by making it easy to leave them in lobbies and not outside. Amazon benefits because it enables delivery workers to make their rounds faster. And fewer stolen packages reduce cost and could give Amazon an edge over its competitors. Those who have the device already installed say it reduces the constant buzzing by delivery people and is a safer alternative to than giving out codes to scores of delivery people. But they say the program may stir security and privacy concerns. Amazon said that it does background checks on delivery people and that they can only unlock doors if they have a package in hand to scan. But tenants may not know that Amazon drivers have access to their building's front doors since Amazon leaves it up to the building's management to notify them. Ashkan Salanti, I'm probably butchering that name, a privacy researcher who was senior tech advisor to former President Barack Obama said that any device connected to the internet could be hacked, including the one by Amazon, and bad actors could try to unlock the doors. He's quoted as saying, you're essentially introducing a foreign internet-connected device into an otherwise internal network. Amazon didn't respond to questions about potential hacking. The device has already been installed in thousands of U.S. apartment buildings. They sometimes leave a clue placing a round sticker with an Amazon Smile logo on buzzers where the device has been installed. They say Amazon salespeople have been sent across the country to urge building managers to install the device. The company has reportedly even partnered with some local locksmiths to push it on building managers while they fix locks. Amazon installs the device for free and sometimes even throws in a $100 Amazon gift card. Sultani said he learned about Key for Business when he was approached by two Amazon salespeople who wanted access to the building where he lives in Oakland, California. Building management declined and no device was installed. However, another landlord in Chicago said he agreed to have the device installed in four of his buildings as a way to reduce package theft, which was getting so bad he was considering building a package drop box outside. The article says, Currently, only U.S. Postal Service has a way to enter apartment buildings in order to get to mailboxes. UPS says it has tested a way for workers to enter buildings without buzzing tenants, teaming up with the Smart Lock Company in 2018, but that test ended and UPS declined to say why. The next paragraph in this article is interesting. It says, Amazon has wanted to walk through people's front doors for years. In 2017, it launched a way for shoppers to let delivery people come into their home when they're not there and leave packages in the foyer. Walmart did the same shortly after, but its delivery people also stocked the fridge with groceries. Amazon and Walmart don't say how many people were using those services, but both have expanded them to more cities recently. In 2018, Amazon set its sights on apartment buildings, launching Key for Business and signing up big landlords to install the device 
in their developments, but the push seems to have accelerated in the last year or so with Amazon deploying salespeople nationwide. Recent job postings in Miami and San Antonio say Amazon salespeople can make $3,000 to $11,000 a month in bonuses and commissions. Amazon won't say how much it's spending on the effort total. The article points out that not all Amazon packages can be delivered through the front door. And according to shopping data, the company only delivers about 60% of its own packages. So I guess if you live in an apartment building in a big city, one that has a uh, locked front door that you have to buzz in, you might check the, the area around the buzzer, see if it has an Amazon Smile logo. And Amazon is not satisfied with just getting access to businesses and apartment buildings. They want access to your garage. In addition to the Amazon Key system is Key by Amazon in-garage delivery. They build it as a way to receive packages directly inside your garage. Basically, it will work much like the apartment system. The, The driver will be able to scan a package and then request access to your garage and the Amazon service will grant them access to open the garage door, leave your package inside. They have a little fact here. It says, what is key by Amazon in garage delivery? It says, protect your packages by getting them delivered in the safety of your own garage. Perfect for when you're at work, away, or even on vacation. Eligible Prime members can shop on Amazon and choose in garage delivery at checkout. You'll receive a mobile notification before the delivery driver opens your garage door and immediately after it's securely closed with an optional Amazon Cloud Cam. You can watch the delivery in real time or see a video clip later. They say your security is our top priority. That's why you always have total control. For added layers of security, we confirm the authorized driver is at your address with the correct package before you grant access. No access codes or keys are given to the driver, and you can also block access for from the Key by Amazon app if you change your mind on delivery day. I like this quote. It says, a key by delivery Amazon driver says, I am a prime customer also. I know how I would want my package delivered, so I always keep that in mind when I deliver packages for my customers. Yeah, tell that to the ones who throw it on the doorstep. They don't even sometimes come into our front door is behind a deck with a gate. It's not a locked gate. But half the delivery drivers don't even want to step onto the deck, so they just throw it at the front door from the gate. So, yeah, I trust them. And the fact continues with, are there any restrictions? They say you can receive tens of millions of prime eligible items with in-garage delivery. Excluded items are items fulfilled by a third-party seller, items that weigh more than 50 pounds, items with dimensions that exceed 26 by 21 by 16 inches, and any items that require a signature. So, what do you think? Would you... Let them have access to your apartment building or your garage. Do you trust the security? Let me know. Leave a comment. The next article was Home Depot plans to foil shoplifters with power tools that won't work if they're stolen. This was from Insider. It says, to combat thieves, Home Depot is introducing power tools that won't work if they're stolen. Home Depot executive Scott Glenn spoke to Insider about the company's efforts to stymie shoplifters. He said the goal is to stop thieves without looking like an armed encampment. It appears the technology is aimed primarily at stopping professional large-scale shoplifters. 
And it says Home Depot is unveiling power tools that won't work unless they're properly scanned and activated at the register via Bluetooth technology. If a thief managed to smuggle out a power drill out of the store without paying for it, the drill simply won't turn on. Scott Glenn, Home Depot's Vice President of Asset Protection, told Insider about the company's fight against organized retail crime. He made a point to distinguish between professional shoplifters and disorganized solo thieves. The pros, he said, frequently are connected to a larger network that can, in some cases, function as sophisticated shadow business. They are very organized groups with leaders at the top that are recruiting people that are drug-dependent, homeless, or down on their luck and offering them incentives and providing shopping lists to go out and bring back certain products. At the top levels of these hierarchies, there are absolutely good administrators that understand the return on their money. If they're that well organized, do you think possibly that they might be able to recruit somebody with the ability to deal with this problem? with the Bluetooth activation or get an insider to activate some of them? Maybe, maybe not. Interesting. We'll see how it works out if they actually implement it. An interesting set of tweets was shared with me about the Facebook blackout that we had. This particular tweet said, LMAO, friend at Facebook confirmed they ended up bringing in a guy with an angle grinder to get access to the server cage. And then in a related post, he said, They straight up have no physical keyholes like anywhere on the campus, and I guess they extended that philosophy to their server farms. The funniest part was, my first time having a meeting there, I pointed out to my host, a VP, that none of the doors have keyholes, so what happens if that system goes down? He laughed it off saying, oh, I'm sure we pay someone to think of that. Apparently not. But reading through the thread, I'm not sure what the truth actually was here, or if there's some whitewashing going on after the fact, but in an article by the New York Times, part of the story says, some Facebook employees who had returned to working in the office were also unable to enter buildings and conference rooms because their digital badges stopped working. Security engineers said they were hampered from assessing the outage because they could not get to the server areas. And then at the bottom, it has a correction that said, an earlier version of this article misstated a Facebook team's means of getting access to server computers at the data center in Santa Clara, California. The team did not have to cut through a cage using an industrial angle grinder. And the original person who tweeted said, apologies, Facebook has said neither an angle grinder or a drill was used to access the facility, but there were physical barriers their engineers worked their way around. So, Not sure how accurate the original story was or if there's some sort of whitewash afterwards because Facebook is embarrassed by what happened. I mean, they're very specific saying that the team did not have to cut through a cage using an industrial angle grinder. Didn't say they didn't have to cut through a deadbolt or a padlock or something else. Just very specific. They didn't cut through a cage using an industrial angle grinder. Could be that the original story was just all hyped BS. It could also be that they're playing on a technicality to get out of that specific statement. And Jeff Moss shared a video on YouTube called Howard Smith of Wilson Bohannon Lock Company given Distinguished Alumni Award from Hillsdale College. The description on that video said, On September 24th, 2021, Howard Smith, President and CEO of Wilson Bohannon Lock Company, was honored by his alma mater, Hillsdale College. 
He was awarded the Distinguished Alumni Award for Business Management. Howard is a 1968 graduate from Hillsdale College, where he majored in history and minored in business. And going over the Wilson Bohannon website, it says that Wilson Bohannon is the oldest family-owned padlock company still producing padlocks in the United States, a fact that Wilson would certainly be proud of. It appears the original Wilson Bohannon filed his first patent in 1860. That's, by my rough calculations, that's what, like 160 years ago. Pretty impressive to have a family-run business running that long. I really had no idea they had that much history. But their locks are still used by a lot of the utility companies out here, so they obviously have some pretty good contracts keeping them going. It said something like they make 5,000 locks a day right now, all basically custom orders, so... Anyway, interesting video. You might want to check it out. In community news this week, Georgia Jim has what appears to be the first public pick of the Multilock 800. He says there's not any notable changes from the original design. They made the Alpha Spring pin and pin versus the older solid pin, but nothing to improve the issues that existed with the MT5 Plus, like slider bounce, weak slider bidding, and no counter milling in the key pins. Anyway, link to that video in the show notes. Congratulations on the open, Georgia Jim. And there was a new post on the Tool Black Bag blog called Lockpicking Forensics. And a quick apology, I posted that on Twitter. I think maybe a couple of people that saw the post thought maybe it was my article. Let's be clear, I don't write. I speak into a microphone. So if I'm linking to a blog post, it's not my article. I'm just sharing it because I thought it was interesting. I'll just read the start of the story here and then discuss it just a little bit. It says, I, Walter, have created a geocache that requires some RSA hacking and subsequently lockpicking. I bought an Abus Titanium 64Ti40 padlock to be picked. Several people were able to find it by teaming up together. The feedback I got was that people spent considerable time on the lock, sometimes several hours in separate sessions. Geocacher number 15 was unable to lockpick the lock, even though he had practiced on an identical lock at home. I offered to go with him to give him advice. He couldn't open it. I also couldn't quickly open it. I took the original key, and that would not open it. By not fully inserting the key and wiggling, I succeeded in opening. He then discusses taking the lock home, taking it apart, and shares what he found with pictures. And I really encourage you to go check out this blog post and look at those pictures because the state of those pins is something I have never seen before. It looks like this lock was subjected to prolonged, very aggressive raking. If you want to see what kind of damage can be done to a lock by being aggressively raked, this is a good example. Well, I'm not sure how to say the name of this lock properly, but over on the Lockpickers United Discord, Dr. Hogmaster showed some pictures of a couple of destructively gutted Uema 750 padlocks. The 750 is the one with the 360-degree free-rotating core. Unfortunately, it would appear that there are no guttable door cylinders for sale anywhere currently. So if you want to work with this lock, the padlock is the only option. And if you want to examine the core for possible exploits or ways to pick it, it looks like you will have to destroy the padlock to get the core out. He shows a couple of different ways that he managed to get in to get the cores out. So if you're a member of the Discord, you can head over there and check that out. 
And we have an update on the Jonathan's Made Perfect Studio raffle. He says the Made Perfect Studio charity raffle is finally complete and ready to be drawn later this month. They've raised over 1,000 pounds now. The main prize is as follows. One Locksport Commemorative Epoxy River Board by Made Perfect Studio. 29-piece lockpick set from Law Lock Tools. Includes the full Ridgeback set. 17 Lockmaster lockpick set with tension tools from Thiefix. 10 tension tools from Law Lock Tools. 5 skeleton keys from Law Lock Tools. 1 Velcro case from Law Lock Tools. One Southord jackknife, one Dangerfield decoder set, one Sparrow's scepter and cylinder from Locknoob, one steel pinning tray, one custom lock pick from Matt's lock pit, one lever lock from Andy Mack, one 3D printed tray, two padlocks new in box from Bilbo Baggins. One padlock from Made Perfect Studio, one lock from Made Perfect Studio, and one challenge coin from Panda. Looks like quite the prize list, so if you're interested in getting in on that raffle, you still have some time. So I have a link in the show notes if you're interested. Quick update on Brummie's Corbin Lock. Keyless Entry won the draw to be the next to attempt it. So I'll be shipping that off to Australia along with a couple of the pack locks that were won in my last giveaway. Probably will be a little bit because I won't be able to ship it out till Monday, and that shipping to Australia and quarantine period and stuff can take a little while. So for interesting videos this week, there's a set of videos put out by Lockpicking Dev called Making Custom Lockpicks, and there are several parts. It's He says, this is an accompanying video series to my talk at ShellCon with a more in-depth step-by-step demonstration of how to make your own lockpicks and handles. I think there was like seven parts or something like that when I looked earlier. I started watching one of them, but I really didn't have time to finish. But it does look like a very in-depth series and uh, something I plan to watch here when I get some time. And I recommend you check it out too. And Mr. Black Magic put out a video called Quick Set Smart Key Gen 3 Reversed Sidebar Bypassed Picked Gutted and Explained. He gives a really good overview of the mechanism and how it works and how to pick them using a shim down the sidebar channel. Really worth checking out. Has some really great uh, visuals, some great up-close pictures of the mechanisms and where the shim goes and all that stuff. So definitely way better quality than the one I made a couple years ago. So definitely worth checking out. Moving on to meetups. We have SaintCon, October 18th through the 22nd, Utah Valley Convention Center, Provol, Utah. Keynote speakers are Lockpicking Lawyer and Stephanie Carruthers, also known as Snow. Definitely go check that out if you're in the area. And the MLA Expo 21, October 22nd through the 24th in Telford International Center, Telford, UK. If you happen to be in that part of the world, you might want to check that out. And if you're down in Texas... We have Lock Camp at Lockhart State Park, Lockhart, Texas, November 12th through the 14th. And over on Twitter, iFisk shared the PicoPick Minuscule Lock Picking Set. Their website says the PicoPick is TIHK's answer to bulky lockpick sets that are hard to comfortably carry on your person. The matte black case is inconspicuous and easy to forget about on your keychain until you need it. The smallest lockpick set on the market, the Pico Pick, is just over two inches long, under half an inch wide, and a quarter of an inch thick. Don't let the unassuming size fool you. It has everything you need to pick most 
pin tumbler locks in an emergency situation. In addition to a W rake and half diamond, the Pico pick set includes a removable tensioner, all stainless steel, which is good because you wouldn't want that rusting in your pocket. It says the overall size is 2.06 inches, which is 52.3 millimeters long, 0.45 inches or 11.4 millimeters by quarter inch or 6.3 millimeters. Total weight is 0.18 ounces or about 5 grams. Stainless steel 301 half hard tensioner and picks. Body is reinforced composite plastic. You get a W rake and a half diamond and a removable tensioner. The set is currently sold out, but it looks like they normally sell for $29 US each. If you're interested, there will be a link in the show notes. And in the replies to that, somebody mentioned the pocket pick by Martin Newton. And according to a reply he left, the pocket pick is back in stock and you can contact Martin Newton on his email. There will be a link in the show notes to the to his reply to that with his email. In case you're interested in picking up one of the pocket picks, they look like a really good quality pick. No updates on Lockpickers United belts this week. I didn't see any new purple or above ones to announce and didn't have any special requests for announcements. Didn't see any updates on speed locks, tournament, or new records or anything set there, so nothing going there. So we can move right on to the break, and I'd like to say thank you to the people that made this episode possible. I'll start with a special thank you to the anonymous person who donated $10 this week. So with that, producers for this episode include Anonymous, and all the Patreon subscribers, those are Medler, Pandafrog, Michael Gilchrist, Starlock, Williams Brain, Dave Dubie Deciphered, Pat from Uncensored Tactical, PH Picker, Three Raccoons and a Coat, Cherell, Patty Cakes, Dr. Hogmaster, Clayton Howard, aka Cool Tune, Mog, John Locke, Rat Yoke, Mr. Picker, Cranky Lock Picker, Real Tater, JHP Picking, Chief Content Producer for this episode was I Fisk again. Other content producers for this episode, Cherell, Georgia Jim, Good Guy, aka BNA. B and E A to Z, Holly, Jeff and Things, Jeff Moss, Jimmy Longs, Jonathan's Made Perfect, Joshua Gonzalez, Mick 777 Oz, Mr. Black Magic, Tony Varelli. Thank you to all of you for your support. Really helps my uh, week go better. Thank you. And remember, the show is only possible because of your information and support. So if you value this podcast, please help support it by sending in news, links, events, giveaway information, anything you have that's Locksport related. Anything you think the others in the community might find interesting, send it to me. I really need some more Locksport community-related news or even anything related to Locksport. It was really, really light this week. I had a bunch of these other stories that needed to get out anyway, so I'm filling in, but I could really use some more stories for next week. You can send anything to podcast at thelocksportscast.com or just go to thelocksportscast.com slash support, and you can find all the different ways to send me information or help support the show. Don't forget to share the show with your lockpicking friends. If you are going to an in-person or online meetup, it might be a really good place to share the show. Lots of people there who may not have heard about it. You can leave a review on your favorite podcasting platform or leave a comment and a thumbs up on YouTube. You can subscribe to the podcast on YouTube or any of your podcasting apps on your phone. You can donate if you want to help financially at PayPal or uh, subscribe on Patreon. Patrons do get an audio version of the podcast a little bit early, about a day, if they use the private RSS feed that Patreon gives them. Not a big deal, but it's really all I provide other than a thank you for uh, helping with the show. 
Also, if you have a Locksport journey story, just something about your journey through Locksport or into Locksport, how did you discover it? Was there something unique about how you discovered Locksport or something interesting about your journey through Locksport or your journey through the Lockpickers and A belt systems? Anything you have that is interesting that you think the community would be interested in hearing, you can uh, type it up or record an audio or video version and send it in the show. Try to keep it to about five minutes max, but I would really appreciate any stories that you can send in. And this next story is a combination of a locksmith or and strange lock story. And it's from Popville. It was titled PSA Locksmith Scam Quick Update actually happened was even stranger it's by prince of petworth and it said dear potville i just wanted to share a scam that i unfortunately fell victim to this morning i locked myself out of my house i had a nest lock that i was able to unlock but we also had a regular entry door locked in the doorknob for which i had accidentally left the keys inside i called a company which had great google reviews with that service you call dispatch and they send out a technician The locksmith arrived and began working. She spent about one minute trying to pick the lock, and then before I knew what she was doing, she pulled out a drill and completely destroyed the lock. She claimed it was necessary and then offered to sell me a new one for $125. This was on top of the $250 she had already charged for the service. This all seemed wrong since it was a regular door lock, no deadbolt, no damage. I started to look online, and it turns out this is a named and recognized scam. It is almost never necessary to drill out a regular lock unless the key has been broken in. A reputable locksmith will also look for alternatives to drilling, including inquiring about other entry doors that they might be able to pick if the first one doesn't work. This locksmith spent 10 minutes total at my house. I'd estimate she tried alternatives for about one minute before pulling out the drill, which I have documented on my Nest Cam footage. So either she's incredibly unskilled as a locksmith, or else she was really hoping to get me on the hook for a lock replacement. On top of all that, I called the company back to ask to speak with the manager about the issue. They immediately told the locksmith, who was just at my house, that I had called to complain. She phoned and text-bombed me for several minutes asking why I complained. I did not know why a company would share that information with someone who has my address and knows my entry lock is compromised, but it made me feel pretty unsafe. Just wanted to let others know, in the event they are locked out, to avoid this scam. The websites I've looked at that report the scam say only call locksmiths who have local numbers, not 1-800 numbers, and to let them know you expect them not to destroy the lock if you think it's unlikely to be necessary so they are aware you know about the scam. Then the writer came back with another update, said, I wanted to send a quick update since I learned the company wasn't responsible for the issue that I experienced, but what actually happened was even stranger. The plot definitely thickened since my first email. I didn't hear back from the manager after three attempts to reach someone, so I posted a negative review online. I immediately started getting calls and texts from another phone number. The man I spoke with very urgently wanted me to remove the review. He offered to Venmo me the $250 back. After I received it, I took down the review. Tonight, I got a call from the company that I called this morning and for whom I left a negative review. I guess it was up long enough for her to see it. Turns out they recently contracted a call center. That call center had sent me to a different company than theirs. Most likely, the people who came to my house were paying off the call center to route calls that should have gone to the other company 
This is why dispatch called the scammer directly to say that I had complained instead of forwarding my call to the manager and why they were so upset that I left a bad review for the wrong company, it turns out, the one they were filching business from, she says. The man I had spoken to earlier in the day from the scam operation mentioned something like, you know, a lot of people don't want to go to Southwest DC as the reason they sent her. I suspect the truth is that they thought they could take advantage of someone in Southwest DC. They probably have done so in the past. The number he called is from an affiliated business called Park Heights Locksmith. The woman I spoke with from the legitimate company said they are going to stop using the call center in October when the contract runs up. After that, it will be safe to call that company. In the meantime, and really any time, best advice is never to call a locksmith with, a, with an 800 number. Apparently, this type of scam is on the rise. We've heard about that scam before. I think I've reported on it here before. I recall there being one story where a person called the locksmith service, one locksmith showed up, and then another one showed up afterwards. Sounds like they're some of these call centers are, are scamming both the locksmith services they're being hired by as well as the customers. So look for somebody with a local business page with a local number and then uh, ask a lot of questions. On to the criminal news, and we're going to stay on the electronic security front here. We have electric scooters inside carjacked Penske truck allow police to track vehicle suspect in Redford Township. This is from Redford, Michigan. Vehicle stolen from Wayne State University, suspect in custody. Police around Metro Detroit were on the lookout Wednesday night for a Penske truck carjacked at Wayne State University. However, police were able to track the truck because of what was in the back. Electric scooters that were inside the truck in the back were sending their signals, allowing the police to track the vehicle coming down Grand River Avenue in Redford Township. The suspect is now in custody. The owner uses the truck to pick up scooters to recharge for the next day. So no lock picking in that, but just a, an interesting case of modern electronics and their trackability tripping up the criminals. The next story was titled Haddonfield Police Recover Two Stolen Cars in Elizabeth. Haddonfield Police recently recovered two stolen cars in the Port of Elizabeth before they could be shipped overseas, police announced. This is Haddonfield, New Jersey. The cars were recovered before they could be loaded into a container and shipped overseas. Haddonfield police said on a social media post, police have learned that someone is driving around town looking for side view mirrors that are not retracted on cars. I assume on specific models that have retractable mirrors, because not all of them do. They say this is, indicates that the cars are not locked. Once inside the car, they search for the car start button to see if the fob is still inside. They are looking for cars in which the fob is left inside because this prevents the car doors from being locked. They use the fob to start and steal the car. Then they drive up the New Jersey Turnpike to the port of Newark, Elizabeth, where they are loaded into one of almost one million containers that pass through the port annually before the owner is even aware that the theft took place. Haddonfield police detectives are working with multiple jurisdictions and agencies in this ongoing investigation. So the lesson there, don't leave your Bluetooth fob in your car. Might as well just leave the keys in the ignition of the old car. It's the same thing. If you're leaving the fob in there, just asking for it. 
And this next story was actually reported on by both the BBC and the Sun UK. I'm going to read most of this information from the BBC article. It says Yorkshire Gang's Game Boy device could unlock cars in seconds. A gang of car thieves used a handheld device disguised as a Nintendo Game Boy to steal vehicles worth £180,000. They stole five Mitsubishi Outlanders by using the gadget to bypass the car's security systems. West Yorkshire police said the device is worth £20,000 and could unlock a car in a matter of seconds. The trio, all from Yorkshire, were jailed at Leeds Crown Court after pleading guilty to conspiracy to steal. The three were arrested after a Mitsubishi Outlander was stolen from a driveway in Shoals on 20th of July. CCTV footage of the theft showed them unplug the car from its charging point before using the device to unlock and start it. When officers stopped three men, they found the Game Boy-style gadget hidden in a secret compartment in their car. Police said footage recovered from Poulsen's phone showed him demonstrating how quickly and easily the gadget gave them full access to the vehicles, accompanied by a commentary in mocking tones. Police added that the significant investment required to buy one of these sophisticated devices suggested the thefts were planned and orchestrated crimes. Then the Sun UK went into a little more depth about how they understand the system to work. There are several different ways for criminals to steal your car using keyless technology, but the most common is the relay attack. Clever Kit amplifies the signal from between the car and its key, tricking the computer into thinking its key is closer than it is. By taking the signal from the key and making it more powerful, the car thinks that the key is right next to it, unlocking doors and starting the engine. Normally, working in pairs, one thief will stand next to the car with a gadget, then the other will prowl the perimeter of the house with another trying to connect to the weak signal from the keys inside. If a connection is made between the device, then the car can be opened, started, and driven away in just 10 seconds. Devices are small, sometimes resembling handheld gaming devices. When they go into talking about how to prevent theft and relay attacks, they go through the usual, they recommend basically a steering wheel lock, a club, um, but also potentially putting your keys in a metal box or Faraday cage when they're in the house making the signal weaker and blocking it so that they can't relay it. And finally, it's time to move on to sales. Uh, nothing's changed this week. We have thinkpeterson.com. Code for October is L877022R. Good for 20% off a minimum purchase of $50 or more. That code will also be in the show notes in case you don't want to try and recreate what I just said. Also, they're still having a closeout on their 90 durometer picks. So you can go check that out. And as of this recording, the sale is still going on at mattslockpit.com. So you can head over there and check out his custom made picks and get a discount. You can get 10% off at 3dlocksport.com with the code LSCAST10 or 15% off at makolocks.com with the code BUYMAKO. 10% off uklockpickers.co.uk with the code GIFT. Giveaway section is really kind of dying. It doesn't appear anybody wants to share giveaways with me. So we just have the CLK Supplies hashtag lockboss giveaway that runs every week. And then my monthly giveaway for a custom Packlock 100A with my logo engraved on it. Or my final remaining $20 gift code for hooligankeys.com. You can get all the details at thelocksportscast.com slash giveaway. But basically, share information with me for use on the show, and I will get you an entry into the giveaway. 
that simple. Or share the show online. Make sure to tag me in in the social media post, and I'll get you an entry for that too. Remember to send me information you have that's Locksport related, even if you don't think it's important, or if you think it's such a big story, everybody else has sent it to me. They probably haven't because they're thinking the same thing as you. So please send me anything you have. Just send a bunch. I I will. Uh, I would rather be swamped with stories than not have enough to keep publishing episodes because I really do enjoy doing this for the community. It's a lot of work, but I really do enjoy it. So thank you and keep it legal. Legal.